We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And now we get to go back in time the way we always hoped. It's UEFA taking us back to the bunny years of 2020. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Alex Smith. You can me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. You're actually going to be hearing me say something different over the next few weeks. You're going to hear me say, welcome to Euro Daily with Phil Costa, because that is what this is going to be. This is sort of the bridge to get you there, to take you back in time. That's right, to the heady years, the, the, the time that we all wanted to go revisit, 2020. Just think back, locked in our homes, dealing with a pandemic, populists cropping up all over the world, all kinds of fun things happening that we wanted to relive, right? So UEFA is taking us back there. Instead of calling it Euro 2021, they're calling it Euro 2020. And so we are going to call it that with them. Uh, And we are going to do, if you can believe it, an episode pretty much every single day uh, of the tournament during the week. What we'll do on the weekends is TBD which means to be determined based on uh, whether my wife will watch my children and we can make it happen. Um, but yeah, we're going we're gonna to give you a lot of Euros content to get you through this. And meanwhile, on this main feed here and over on Patreon, you'll still be hearing uh, about Arsenal, should Arsenal wake up and decide to do anything. There will still be Arsenal Vision podcasts. So a lot of stuff to get you through the doldrums of the summer as Arsenal uh, hem and haw and decide how much uh, Ruben Neves is worth. But I do want to introduce Phil Costa, and uh, you should be aware of him. If you are not aware of him, well, first things first, get following. You can find him on Twitter at underscore Phil Costa. Hello, Phil. Hello. Nice to be here. I'm actually quite excited now. You've you've uh, you've put me in the mood already with that little intro, so I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Yeah, I mean, if there's if there's one thing that gets everybody fired up, it's the idea of getting in the Wayback Machine and going back to 2020. I do want to <laughs> give your... Uh, CV here. You're you're the content editor for One Football, and do yep. uh, some writing and social media for Scouted Football. Uh, two excellent sources for uh, all things football. So uh, obviously very knowledgeable. Happy to have you here. My understanding that you you do some work with uh, Lewis Ambrose as well, who we're all familiar with, and hopefully will will join us for one or two of these along the way. Yes, we're we're teammates in uh, here in Berlin in One Football. So. So, I had so, the pleasure of knowing him for, for three and a half years now, which is pretty crazy. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I, I can see how uh, knowing anybody for three and a half years feels crazy to me because at that point, usually they are telling me to get stuffed and, and off they <laughs> go. But uh, real quick, in terms of your loyalty, you are in Berlin, Germany. Are you, who, who are you supporting in this tournament? Well, I mean, actually, for me, international football is a very um, sort of broad subject for me because, uh, I mean, my family history is from Cyprus. Um, but, I mean, I'm, my my affiliation is, is towards England, but I've never felt, you know, so passionate about them, for example. But, you know, the last World Cup and, and this squad is very likable, quite young and exciting. So, you know, I'm feeling it a, a little bit more. Um, to you know, to be proud of, of this team and these players, but um, I, I wouldn't say I'm a die-hard English supporter. But I mean, for sure, my allegiances will be will be with England, and um, who knows, maybe it can it can finally come home after all of these years. Yeah, I, I don't know if you know, but over here on this side of the pond, it, it came home the the Concacaf Nations League. <laughs> I I think. I think there are two games in it. I'm not totally sure. There were a lot of bottles thrown. There were a lot of penalties taken. One missed, one t- I mean, absolute madness in CONCACAF. Pure, pure injected into my veins CONCACAF. So it came home here, and all I can say is that I hope for you it gets to come home. Um, do you find any cognitive dissonance? Well, well, first, let's out you for your club affiliation. Are you prepared to, to nail your colors to the mast there? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I've made no secret of my affiliation um, to Arsenal. Yep, yep. So. Just, just getting, getting, getting that out there so people are are okay with you being the uh, the flag bearer for this for this series as we go forward. And I, I do need to ask you what I ask any England supporter, stroke Arsenal supporter, which is how do you handle the Harry Kane situation? Um, I mean, I have two uh, two fills, two editions of Phil. One is my is my work Phil. And that's when I have to be nice about him and write nice things and, and um, you know, try not to make fun of how he speaks or what he sounds like. And then there's the Arsenal Phil, which um, really hates everything about Harry Kane. So um, okay, good. You know, it's, it's become easier to uh, differentiate the two, but I am committed to both, both sides. Okay, well, I think that's, that's fair. You know, the one thing that I'm really looking forward to about this series is that candidly, I haven't been much of an international football person. Um, I do love watching the Euros and the World Cup, but you know I find qualifiers tedious. I'm annoyed when Arsenal have to go away so that we can have international breaks and all our players come back crocked. Uh, but I, I am looking forward to this tournament. I'm looking forward to learning what I need to know about this tournament from you as we go forward. I'm going to take a quick pause here to just let everybody know, Tuesday we are going to officially announce this um, long-teased event in Las Vegas. But if you can make it to Las Vegas August 19th to 22nd at the win, uh, there's a brand-new multimillion-dollar studio that's there that we're going to be using. There's going to be uh, watch parties in the nightclubs for the games, although they'll be day clubs because they'll be daytime games because um, it'll be the second week of the season. We're sort of doing it as a season launch. Uh, the fixtures will be released uh, in seven days, so we'll actually know which games we'll be viewing, which will be cool. There'll be some, oh gosh, I'm going to say the word, influencers there, but some fun people, um, a lot of good stuff going on. And hopefully, uh, if you can make it out, you will. There'll be a, a promo code for rooms if you want to stay at the win and uh, some free drinks to go around and things like that. So hope to see everybody there. And we'll have the website up soon in the announcement and uh, should just be a really good time. So hopefully people come and fill. I'm guessing that uh, from Berlin, it will not be possible for you, but uh, more than welcome to come. You can have the the uh, King Emperor suite at the win if you can make it. 
Is that on record? No, I'm just assuming you can't make it. So I'm writing checks. My body can't cash. My mouth is well, writing actually, checks. I've been, to, I've been to Vegas and to the win, actually. So there you oh, go. What did you think of it? Um, it was different. It mm. was, I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it before. And it was about 50 degrees because we went in July. So yeah, um, not fun, but we were kind of going through all the, the hotels with air conditioning. Why, why do you need to go outside? You know, Stay you don't need to, although the pool parties uh, will tempt you depending on how, what age you are and what tolerance level you have for uh, turning up parties to 11. Look, we are seven minutes in of waffle. Waffle is not my strong suit, as you know. Uh, I think, Andrew, our blog does it quite brilliantly. I am still learning, but I feel that I've done it with a plum here. So I'm going to move on. Let's get started. So, again, starting Friday, you'll get Euros Daily with Phil Costa. It'll show up on your regular feed. I, I hope to have new music. I will try to come up with a new intro and outro uh, where I say different stuff and try to act like a different person. And it'll just generally feel very professional and slick. And you will love it. And it'll be different from everything you're used to. So uh, let's do an overview as a recap. Five years ago, there was a Euros. Uh, fans were there. The, the days before we knew what a pandemic was, other than if you had watched you know, the movies about it. And Portugal, of all, of all things, hoisted the trophy. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo getting the chance to, uh, to make himself known to world football, which was really nice to see. Do you want to just kind of recap for us where we've been since then, not as a world, but as a, as a footballing world, uh, in the time since Portugal hoisted the trophy five years ago? I mean, well, you, you say that, but Cristiano Ronaldo was actually injured in the final. Um, ah, yeah. And he, had to, and he had to go off in tears and he was <laughs> basically right. the, the sort of pseudo manager on the touchline doing all the, the Matthew Flamini tribute with the pointing and shouting. Um, Combination and, Matthew Flamini and John Terry full kit wanker lifting the trophy. <laughs> <in> the <end. laughs> yes. Um, and actually the, the goal itself, the winning goal itself was not so flattering for, for Arsenal fans because Adair kind of, uh, made a mockery of Lauren Koscielny, um in the in the lead up to the goal, so we we didn't really like that moment. But yes, five years um, is actually quite mad to think about it um, being so long ago. Um, I mean, we've had we've had a, a World Cup in between as well, so um, a, a really good World Cup actually, um, because you know who doesn't love the World Cup. Yeah, no. I, well, I mean, we'll find out when it's played in the middle well, of the football okay, season, yeah. <laughs> the league season. It's going to test our patience for sure. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I mean, Euro 2016 was, was great because we had like Belgium somehow finding themselves in the semi-finals and and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, in between, we've we've had a bit of, you know, especially in the last kind of 18 months, um, it's been very trying for. For everybody, and, and football is no different. We've we've had to watch from afar. We've had to, you know, um, see clubs with finances decimated and players running their contracts down. So the whole landscape's kind of changed a bit. But this summer, you kind of get a, a feeling that things are slowly edging back to normal, um, and hopefully with uh, with fans back in the grounds and, and hopefully able to enjoy themselves sensibly um this can kind of be a nice sort of uh, event to bring everybody together yeah i think that's well said and so just one thing before we start going group by group to what extent are you concerned about the way this sort of 18 months of football or i guess you could even say a year of football in terms of the fixture congestion is going to have a bearing on the freshness of the players the ability for them to hold up the the 
maybe even intensity and level of the competition in terms of just what these players have left. I mean, pretty much, especially players who were part of Project Restart in England, this has just been nonstop football jammed in every possible day available for 12 straight months. So do you think that this is going to be a more challenging tournament, especially for players who were in the Premier League because of the way the, the fixtures really piled up over the last year? I mean, I think it would be impossible for it not to be. Um, as you said, players have, have essentially been run into the ground. Um, and it's not just injuries they're having to deal with. It's it's the kind of mental side, um, especially with a lot of teams being in like sort of biosecure bubbles. Some have been away from families, you know, and it's, it's difficult to, to play every three days, every week, um, you know, for the last sort of year, like you said, and to be constantly fresh, constantly you know, sharp. Um, and it's tough, especially now we've, we've even seen, um, you know, some teams affected by COVID and that's affected their preparations. And we've seen under 21 sides drafted in for friendlies and into the squad. So, you know, even though we're kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel for this, for this pandemic, um, it's still very much, uh, a factor to consider when you, when you're considering all the, all the preparations here. So, you know, it's it's been rough. And as you said, I, I would not be surprised if even in the group stages, there were some low scoring games and sort of the intensity that we're used to might not be there because, you know, some players, especially if they went far in the Europa League or the Champions League, would have played about 70 games, 80 games, which is which is just absurd, really. Um, no athlete should be, you know, put through that much. Um, but here we are and they have been and and it's a chance to represent your country, but it's kind of a balancing act for everybody, you know. So we'll see. But for sure, I think we're going to see some some low-scoring games and, and a slower tempo than we're used to. Yeah, so one other thing, and I, I don't want to make this a, a, a political thing. It's more of just a, a reality logistically. Are you surprised that UEFA decided to stick with the plan for hosting this across Europe, given the various levels of vaccination access, continuing pandemic related issues. I mean, obviously some countries doing better than others. The fact that you're going to want to have fans in the ground and they may want to travel between countries, which is now harder than ever because the restrictions and, and regulations are different everywhere. I mean, would you have preferred to see them try to localize it more someplace where it's easier? Or would that have punished fans because those countries may not be letting those fans in? I mean, how do you, how do you feel? Did they really have a choice other than to just stick with what the plan was originally? I mean, it's always difficult because they have sort of marketing deals and TV deals and advertising deals to, to, to consider as well. I mean, I, at some point in around February, March, I thought that they would eventually just scrap everything and put it all in England or in the UK at least. Um, because after a terrible third wave around Christmas, they got their vaccine situation together quite quickly um, in January and there was the progress there was very quick and I I considered England you know there's a lot of stadiums they're more than comfortable to be able to host that many people um, in, in terms of infrastructure hotels Airbnbs that kind of thing the football stadiums are you know all top-notch um, apart from Old Trafford and, and their leaky roof um, so I, I honestly believe that they would have maybe taken the decision to, to, to do it in the UK but they stuck with their guns and maybe they thought, okay, we've got a little bit of time for other countries to catch up. Um, and, and we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. I mean, it's it's going to be impossible to 
try and keep you know everybody covid free no matter how the vaccine situation is in each in each country but you know they've made the decision now and we have to see what happens but i think largely now um a lot of countries are slowly uh, vaccinating people so we just have to hope that um you know they don't overcrowd themselves um to uh to give themselves more problems you know yeah yeah well okay look there's nothing we can do about that I'm certainly not going to be making it to the games. I guess I should ask you, um, as part of your job covering this, do you have any plans to attend any of the fixtures? Um, I would love it, but unfortunately not. I'm going to be working here from from Berlin in our sweltering newsroom, uh, which is always a nice environment to be in. Um, but I think even if we, you know, we had the opportunity to go, it's always difficult because our my company is an app, so we don't always get press accreditation. So that's always been difficult. But no, no, I'll be watching on TV like the rest. Like, Whenever I hear yeah. a newsroom, I always think of like the the old Superman movie, the Daily the Daily Planet. I think it was called and the guys with the hats with the little piece of paper in it. You know that says press. Yeah. And you're running around. I need a. You got like a cigar. Everybody's smoking cigars at their desk. I oh, I got a deadline. I got somebody give me information. Is it like that or not? Not really. No. I'm gonna crack this story wide open. That's it. Uh, yeah, okay. Super. No, no. I mean, it's just a bunch of uh, spamming on Max and and some TV in the background. Unfortunately, not as glamorous. Out of curiosity, um, is there is there a guy who wears glasses who, if he were to take them off, might look exactly like Superman? <laughs> no, no, unfortunately okay. not. That's no. a shame. All right. Well, yeah. just uh, you know, if a helicopter starts falling off the roof, I guess you'll find out. Okay, here we go. Enough of the uh, enough of the nonsense. We're into the groups. We are going to start with get this group. Can you guess? Group A. We're starting with Group A. It's the first letter of the alphabet. I know this because I have a five year old. Um, who is involved in Group A? Italy. Switzerland, Turkey, and Wales. Italy, Switzerland, Turkey, and Wales. Two of my favorite foods in that group. I'm kidding. I have never eaten a Switzerland. Um, Okay, so, gosh, my jokes are terrible. I am the ultimate dad joke guy. What is the big storyline from Group A? What do we need to know about this particular group? Uh, I will tell you that I know Aaron Ramsey is involved. He is. Mm. He is involved. Um, I mean, for me, the big storyline is that Italy are finally um, back in a in a major tournament, having missed out on the on the 2018 World Cup, um, and they're not just back; they are looking strong. Um, I mean, throughout qualifying, they won all ten of their games, so they got maximum points, thirty out of a possible thirty, and um, with a good core of young players matched with some nice experience. You know, a lot of people are uh, are putting some money on Italy, I presume. So for me, that's the that's the big story of this group because you know, um, obviously Switzerland and 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 Turkey and Wales are not uh, the sort of the the giants on the international stage. But I mean, uh, Wales had a good time last time out, as we mentioned before. They they reached the the semi final where they eventually lost to the winners Portugal on a on an incredible run, which. Um, you know, inspired by Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey. Um, so maybe they feel like they've got some unfinished business. But yeah, for me, the, the big story is Italy and, and they're back with a vengeance. Do you see Ramsey coming off the season? He had an uneven season and Gareth Bale, a season where he didn't play for large stretches, but did play down the stretch. And, you know, I, I would dare to say even contributed a little bit. Do you think they still have enough? To, to carry Wales to be relevant in this group? Is there is there anyone on that squad that could could help them make a splash? I mean, they're, the, they're obviously the, the two standout players 
Um, I know they both struggle with injury and they're not what they were five years ago, um, especially Gareth Bale. I mean, I know he had a bit of a purple patch towards the end of the season, but I, I, I don't see them um, as what they were uh, back in 2016. I mean, they have David Brooks, who's a very good player. Um, I mean, a lot of Premier League watchers will, will know him. He had a, a nice sort of breakthrough with Bournemouth before some injuries held him back and obviously they were relegated. So he's kind of been out of sight, out of mind. Um, they've, they've got another big striker called Kiefer Moore, who's kind of like your typical uh, big uh, target man up front who, who scored a lot of goals last season in the championship. So, um, I, I mean, they're a home nation, so I, I'll try and be nice, but I think it, it might be difficult, especially having changed their manager. Um, you know, I mean, everybody knows what, what's happened with Ryan Giggs. Um, but, you know, they have players to hurt people, even Dan James from Man United, Ben Davies will be there from Spurs. So they have some Premier League experience, but I'd be surprised if they can go on another shock run like they did last time. Yeah, um, well, I I guess if Italy is going to take this group and make a splash in the tournament, who are some of the players you would expect to star for them and, and be players that are going to, you know, potentially be able to carry them in a tournament that, let's face it, is pretty top-heavy with some some really good teams in terms of elite talent. So who are the players for Italy that could could get them into that group? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you see the strikers, uh, Ciro Immobile, had, he's, you know, um, been banging in goals in Italy for, for about four seasons now. So, you know, he's obviously one of the, the guys that you'll look to 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 create some some problems and alongside him will likely be Federico Chiesa from from Juve who's had a really good season as well and Lorenzo Insigne um you know another a name that most will know from Napoli um you know that's already that's a, a super talented front line but for me their all their talent lies in midfield and that's and that's largely in the form of Nicolo Barella who it just was so good uh, this season for Inter when they when they won the league. I mean, he's just the perfect midfielder for Antonio Conte. You know, box to box, loves the challenge, can score. Um, you know, is it like a on the smaller side, but so tenacious, so uh, energetic. And I think for me, he's going to be their their key sort of man in the middle. But if you genuinely look across their their squad, you'll find a lot of talent and experience. I mean. Everybody knows that Italy thrive in defence, um, and they're going to have, you know, uh, Donnarumma in goal, who's uh, left Milan now. So I don't know if that's going to be playing on his mind. But they'll have Bonucci, Chiellini, those sorts of guys there that we that have sort of been around for years now. So um, you can never rule them out. You can really never rule them out because all it takes is is a, is a string of few good results in tournament football, and you're in the semi final or the final already. So. Um, if you're going to back them as dark horses, I would, I would say that's a good shout. Yeah. <clears throat> well, you know, uh, we had Muhammad on our uh, scouting pod. I want to say last summer, and uh, he was talking up Locatelli as someone mm-hmm. who would go on to be, you know, a huge transfer of the future. And I'm yeah. curious if he had a season that lived up to that. And you know, I, I doubt he's going to be at Sassuolo very long. Um, how do you feel about him? Yeah, really good midfielder. Um, I mean, that was some good scouting from from Mohamed because he was uh, brilliant last year for Sassuolo. I mean, 
They played a very attacking style under Roberto De Zerbi, who's now leaving for Shakhtar Donetsk, I believe. Mm. Um, but in terms of what you want in a in a sort of a number six, he was in like the 97th percentile for attempted passes, 98th percentile for progressive passes. Um, but he's also good at the defensive work, you know, averaging just under three tackles a game, which is pretty absurd. Um, you know, especially for a team who are possession heavy. So, I mean, there's absolutely no way he will be um, at Sassuolo next season. And I know Manchester City have been linked, but for me, he's going to stay in Italy and he'll drop straight into that Juventus midfield. Um, they sort of have the run of the market for upcoming Italian players. And I would be very surprised if he ends up anywhere else. But yeah, really good midfielder. And I think he and, he and Barella in the middle will be a, a real force to be reckoned with. Okay, well, you have told me offline, and now you will tell me on the podcast, presumably, that you consider Turkey to be a dark horse for the tournament. And I'm curious uh, who, who the players are to keep an eye on, how they play, and, and whether they'll be an interesting watch to keep an eye on. I mean, one thing that I find, given that I don't have a specific rooting interest other than Arsenal players, and I, you know, I guess I can kind of get behind England if I can just sort of hold my thumb over the part of the screen where Harry Kane runs around, um, but I'm always looking for a team that I can adopt as kind of a dark horse second favorite. So sell me on Turkey. No, no. I mean, they are. Having done a bit of research and looked through all the squads, um, they they could do some some real damage, uh, I think. I mean, if you just looking at the squad as a whole, it's quite young. Um, and in some ways, that's a good thing. In some ways, that's the bad thing. But I mean, if you actually look at who's gone, um, they particularly defensively, they have people like Zeki Celik, who who just won the league with with Lille, a really good right back, solid right back. Someone we're looking uh, at potentially, right? Yeah, there were some links with Arsenal. Yeah, um, and I think it would be a, a really smart signing, but I'm unsure at All the right, moment. So, so we can rule that out. Okay. Just yeah. Kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Um, and obviously, they have Mary Demiral from from Juventus, who's the typical you know, blood and thunder defender who will like smash into the back of anybody and do his hands. You know, I didn't touch him. I didn't touch him. Kind of like Socrates style, you know. Um, and obviously there's Kala Soyuncu from Leicester. Um, but even going forward, they have a host of options. Um, you know, Hakan Chalanolu from, from Milan, who's had a really good season. They have Yusuf Yazici from Lille, again, another league winner. Um, yeah, I think he scored 14 goals and, and got six assists, which is really good considering he just came back off, off an ACL injury. And then, of course, Burak Yilmaz, 35 years old um, and somehow winning the league for Lille in, you know, unbelievable fashion. That'll um, teach no, me to talk about age cliffs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, nobody expected him to to be able to perform like this. And, and he sort of came... Not to criticism, but nobody was expecting anything special from him. And he's just been banging in the goals and not just your general tap-ins. It's been like screamers from outside the box, free kicks and, it, you know, um, just from out of nowhere, really. And having looked at sort of these these guys, the rounded squad, the quality of the squad with all the young players, I think they could really uh, do some damage. And, you know, I think Italy need to be be careful here because they'll be gunning for the top of the group. Mm, interesting. Well, we know <clears throat> about Granit Xhaka. Uh, Arsenal player, plays for Switzerland, may not be an Arsenal player for the entirety of this tournament even, but uh, we also know about Shaqiri. 
How about this? In a few sentences or less, let's finish off Group A. Who's someone you want us to know about uh, for Switzerland that's maybe not a household name and what we can expect from them? Yeah, I mean, there's two names that spring to mind. There's there's Brie Lombolo from Borussia Mönchengladbach, who's, who was kind of a highly sought-after teenager having come through at FC Basel, maybe not reached the levels that were first expected, but he's you know become a fairly standard Bundesliga player. Um, so he's done a good job. So he'll be an interesting one up front. But for me, my, you know, my player to watch is Remo Freuler. Um, you know, he plays for Atalanta who are just great fun, you know, top scorers in Serie A by some distance. Um, they just play with such an attacking enthusiasm and he's a real technical kind of box to box midfielder with a great touch and great technique. So I really enjoy watching him. Um, and I think others will too, if they, if, if he starts, if he starts. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's wrap up group A with your predictions of how it'll finish. Yes. I've gone Italy first. Um, Turkey second, Switzerland third, and Wales fourth. And so, Wales sorry to, fourth. Sorry to all the Wales uh, fans out there. I'm mm. just, yeah. Well, I, I, look, I have a soft spot for Aaron Ramsey, and I'd love to see them get into the knockouts, but we'll have to live with your predictions for now and see how they turn out. Let's move on to the group that follows Group A, and if you have been following along at home, you will know that the next letter in the alphabet is Group B. Uh, actually, the next letter in the alphabet is B. Uh, group B would be the next group, and in it, you will find Belgium, Denmark, Finland, and Russia. Um, This is a group that I'm just going to throw all of my vast football knowledge out on the table here, Phil, and say, Belgium, 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 Belgium. Tell me why I should look past Belgium. Well, why you should look past Belgium? Yeah, that's a joke. I shouldn't, right? (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, they, you know, they're quite comfortably the the favorites for this group. Um, You know, they... I, everybody kind of likes to pick fun at Roberto Martinez, but he's done a great job with Belgium. Um, you know, num- they were number one in the rankings for a long time under him. I know those things are kind of bogus, but, you know, it's a nice title to have. Um, and their squad, they're kind of getting towards uh, the aging side. Um, but I think... Fair, this, fair this, to say I, that this and the next World Cup will be the end of the golden generation run for this Belgium team. They've got two more chances yeah, to would, win it, really? I would, I would say so, yes. Um, but what a generation it was. I mean, if you look through the names, mm. uh, they, they have a really excellent squad. Um, and they should, honestly, if they don't win this group, then, you know, then they've done a, then they've underperformed quite well, significantly. Well, presumably De Bruyne will be okay to go despite suffering a fairly nasty injury in the Champions League final. Yeah, I think there was talk that he might miss the first game. Mm. Um, but I think he'll be back for the rest of the group stages and probably with a mask as well. So that adds some, uh, some mystery to Kevin De Bruyne. If, you, Interesting. if you're into that the, stuff, the, the yeah. mask, Kevin, but you'll never know who he is as he's charging through midfield, <laughs> dropping dimes and scoring goals. We'll have to just yes. guess. Um, it's Romelu Lukaku up front for them. Anyone that you're interested to watch in that system that might be new to it, or is it pretty much a settled side? That's just going to go out and stomp through this group. No, they're, I mean, they're, they're kind of settled with their wing back formation, um, Romelu Lukaku has had an unbelievable season for Inter, 30 goals, 11 assists. That's it? Um, okay. Well, that's it, exactly. You know, why is he being touted with all the top clubs in Europe? Who knows? Um, but yeah, he's just kind of elevated his game so much this year. Um, he's just basically a one-man battering ram at times, you know, with, with such speed and power. Um, 
and you know shock horror to everybody he's actually improved his first touch a lot i know that was the the kind of the, the joke with him but you know watching him now he's pretty much the complete center forward and i think he'll be uh, challenging for the top scorer uh, award pretty comfortably um especially if the likes of eden hazard torgen hazard yannick carrasco are feeding him with with some good service so for sure i expect him to be at the top of the scoring charts yeah well <clears throat> I think Belgium is obviously going to top this group, he says, knowing that in three weeks' time I will look completely stupid. But um, assuming they do, I think you have Denmark as the team that can push them. So uh, what do we need to know about Denmark and why they might be the the ones to take the second spot in the group? No, I mean, uh, another really interesting side, much like Turkey, a uh, good young side who, who are maybe, you know, they, they never really pulled up any trees. I mean, I know they won... Um, they won the tournament in in 1992 in, in shock fashion, having not originally qualified for it. So, um, but you know they have some experience in in you know Thomas Delaney from Borussia Dortmund and and Simon Kier from from AC Milan. But I, what excites me is their attacking talent. You know they've got Mikhail Damsgaard, um, who's a super interesting, neat and tidy midfielder. Uh, from Sampdoria, um, you know they've got obviously Hoybjerg from from Spurs as well. Even though we're not supposed to like them, um, you know Martin Braithwaite. You know uh, I don't know what he's doing at Barcelona really, but he's you know proven himself in in some situations. Um, so yeah, I think they could. You know I don't think they'll challenge for the top of the group, but I think they should come in come in at a a uh, sensible second and obviously they've got Christian Eriksen who has finally come into some form um, after a really difficult start into Milan and I think he's always been um, and always will be their kind of go-to guy as long as he's playing for them so um, expect him to to be their kind of focal point shall we say. Yeah well I mean it, it is one of those groups that to someone like me that that isn't as close an observer obviously I I don't really know what to make of any of the teams behind Belgium, but it sounds like Denmark could be interesting to watch. I mean, out of Finland and Russia, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time in it. Russia, uh, a team that, you know, once upon a time was really exciting, and I you know, I certainly loved watching them when they had Andrei Arshavin. Long way from that now. Anything exciting about Russia that might make them interesting in this group? Um, I mean, they, they were great at the World Cup, honestly. Um, um but there's a couple of players like Alexander Golovin, who, you know, had another good season with Monaco. He's he's basically going to be the guy who they sort of give the creative keys to, um, and and for good reason. He's a really talented player, um, and as well, they they called up a, a young player called Arsen Zakarian. I like the first uh, name. Great first name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He <laughs> was a, a real shock inclusion at just 17 years old. I think he's the along with Jude Bellingham and someone from Poland who escapes my mind as the, the sort of the youngest um, person to be called up. So, you know, he's a kind of like another creative midfielder who can play wide, similar in that uh, Alexander Golovin mold. Um, you know, so, I mean, Finland, the classic name is Timu Puki. Um, I think he's scoring an average of, of one in three for Finland, which is, you know, very decent. And he's just coming off a of, a promotion season with Norwich. I think he scored 26 goals, um, which is, you know, no mean feat. But yeah, I think 
those two are the are the weaker sides in the group. Um, and uh, I would be pretty surprised if, if Finland managed to do anything. Final standings? I've gone for Belgium, Denmark, Russia, and then Finland. This has so. big, there are some games I'm not going to watch energy to it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. Like I feel like the Russia-Finland games are probably not going to get my, my blood pumping. Is that fair? No, that's fair. I mean, you can't you know, get excited about every game. It's going to be a lot of football for essentially a month now. But, you know, I think that sometimes and then when I'm in the Euro mood and there's games after games and you're like, you know, why not? There's some, there might be some players that you like or surprise you. But yeah, I don't think those are the the glamour fixtures, shall we say. So, um, no, I don't blame you too much for, for wanting to swerve those. Yeah, I mean, it also kind of depends who, who's playing in those time slots and, and what they are. I mean, obviously, watching from the U.S., a little bit different. Uh, we do have some early morning games that that um, I'm probably not going to be able to watch, even if I wanted to. So let's move on to the group that follows B. And thankfully, I have an outline, so I know that it is C. And Group C contains Austria, the Netherlands, North Macedonia, and Ukraine. If you said to me, Elliot, gun to your head, I need you to tell me something about Group C. I would tell you that Robin Van Persie once played for the Netherlands. So now have, and Andrei Shevchenko once played for Ukraine. Now that you know everything I know about Group C, do you know anything else about Group C, hopefully? Yes. Well, I have a, okay. an interesting, yeah, few, a few little facts for you. I mean, What's the big storyline in this group? I mean, for me, the big storyline is that the Netherlands are back. Um, yeah, didn't I mean, they go I know through the group qualifying like, they won every game or something like that. I mean, yeah, they, yeah. they did well in qualifying. Um, they finished second in their in their group to Germany. Um, they only lost one game from from eight, so it's not terrible. Um, but yeah, it's been a long time. It's been a long time since we saw the Netherlands in a in a major sort of uh, a tournament because they they missed the last two. Um, so this is kind of like um, Italy, a similar situation to Italy, but it's been an even longer absence. Isn't the fun thing with the Netherlands at tournaments that they always wind up hating each other and implode? Or have I, have I forgot? Am I getting that wrong? No, I think that's more France, to France, be honest. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, France. What's France? I don't know. France, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, they've had a few famous implosions in their, in their day. I mean, the issue for me now with the Netherlands is, is that their squad is, is not what we remember. You know, uh, it's yeah, quite Schneider, Ian Robin, yeah. Robin Van Persie. I mean, that was that was a team that was really scary once upon a time. <laughs> That's it. We kind of look back with rose tinted glasses. It's the same with Brazil. You know, we remember Ronaldinho, Kaká, uh, Ronaldo, all these guys, and they're kind of not at that level anymore. But no, they've I mean, they, they've got Brazil. bums like yeah. Neymar now. <laughs> yeah, pff, and these guys. Yeah, two hundred twenty-two million. Um, <laughs> But yes, I mean, you know, looking at them, they they still have some talent, but I don't think they're going to be the Netherlands that people just instantly assume will kind of breeze the group and then be in the quarterfinals or the semifinals, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, Memphis Depay, obviously a player that that gets some ridicule for what happened with him at, at United, but he's been excellent since leaving United. Is he the the best player on that team? Is he the, the, the player that's going to lead them? Yeah, undoubtedly. Um Really, really good player. Um, and I don't think people sort of give him the credit that he deserves. Um, is he still a one-trick pony? Am I right to remember that he would like just cut in on his right, wouldn't use his left, and just wanted to shoot from outside the box? Or is that a misremember? Well, I mean, actually, he's um, 
he's sort of re reimagined himself as a false nine. Mm, uh, okay. For Leon now, um, he, he's like not really a striker, so he can he has the technical quality to drop deep and link with others. Um, but he's just super productive um, and just a really gifted player. He's quick. He's strong. He can he can score free kicks. He can shoot from range, but also his movement in behind is very intelligent. Um, and I think for sure he's he's going to be the guy for them. That's you know um, ask, asking for the spark, you know. But we obviously they have some some other players. I mean, there's there's Daniel Marlin, who Arsenal fans will know. Um, unfortunately, left the club a bit too early, in in my opinion. And you know, there's a lot of teams interested in him now after his impressive form with with PSV they have Quincy Promes who who was at Ajax and now he's at Spartak Moscow they have Wout Weghorst who's coming off a, a good season with with Wolfsburg so I mean they have players um to cause some damage and even in midfield I know they were they were hit by the injury to Donny van der Beek um but they have Jorginho Wijnaldum Martin Derone there's a really interesting midfielder who I'd actually be open to being our Xhaka replacement in Teo Coop Mainers, you know, um, even Mateus De Ligt, you know, there's there's a good good core to the squad, um, but I just don't get any sort of wow factor from them hmm. um, in, in general. Interesting. With yeah. the ball there. Yeah, I mean, I I know bum. that Gravenberch is one of those guys that everyone's going to be looking at because he's he's kind of a a analytics hipster darling for transfers and stuff like that. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, are we going to see a lot of him? I hope so. I hope this uh, the injury to Van der Beek actually sort of opens up a, a small place in the squad for him because he's had a really good season with Ajax. You know, quite a big, rangy player, but like really smooth on the ball, great for progressive carries. People just sort of bounce off him. Um, but he's, you know, he's really technically gifted. You know, he throws in some ball rolls and some nutmegs and, you know, it's... He can even arrive late into the box. And I think this tournament can kind of be his audition um, to say, hello, Europe, you know, I'm here. Um, because I don't think he will leave Ajax next season. But for sure, in the next two seasons, I don't see him staying there for much longer. He's pretty much everything you want in a, in a modern midfielder. Um, and for sure, he's going to be um, a, a 50 million, 40 million pound player. Exciting. So, I mean, you you have it here that, this goes Netherlands, Ukraine, Austria, North Macedonia. I mm-hmm. might have thought that Austria would be your second with da- David Alaba and Sabitzer. Um, yeah. Why Ukraine? So I, I've given away your prediction, by the way. You you say here in the notes that they have a player who's like Lucas Podolski on steroids, and I want to hear about him, but the only thing I would say is if he's on steroids, do you think UEFA will let him play? <laughs> well, unfortunately not. Okay. Um, no, figure figure but, speech, yeah. I'm guessing then. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I said, yeah, that's pretty much the perfect way how to, to describe him. I mean... And, and who is this? Just just because I haven't actually said his name yet. Yeah, I Leaving mean, if you, you. Chance, <laughs> if you get a chance to YouTube him, look up Ruslan Malinovsky, okay. um, who's also another player from from Atla- Atalanta, like uh, Freuler that we mentioned before. Man, his, his long-range shooting is unbelievable, like genuinely... Almost every week, there was like people on my timeline going, "Oh my god, he's done it again!" You know, he's just he hits the ball so hard, 
And even if it doesn't like pick pick a corner, the, it's, you know in Shaolin soccer when the goalie saves it and he like flies into the back of the net. <laughs> yeah, there were some goals like that, and you just think, Jesus Christ, this guy like he's got a cannon, you know, for a left foot. Um, and you know, I actually put Ukraine second. Um, and like you said, it might be surprising for a few people, but they actually finished first in their group in in qualifying mm. ahead of Portugal. So wow, okay, um, unbeaten, you know, in eight games, six wins, two draws, and they're managed by a, a famous Andriy Shevchenko. So um, there is a really interesting, really interesting team with some good young players. Um, particularly, there's a few from from Dynamo Kiev, um, and you know, I think they they haven't been such a strong a nation in the in previous tournaments, but. I would watch out for them because they they can play. These guys can play, and particularly there's another left footer called Viktor Sigankov, who's kind of like a left-footed classic Iron Robin, left-footed winger from the right. Really good player, so watch out for him as well. Yeah, interesting. <clears throat> well, I mean, I guess the one thing I would say, I mean, I this I always hate to say this because I, maybe I'm being patronizing or, or condescending to a, a team that's actually better than it looks. I don't know much about North Macedonia. My guess is that these are going to be viewed as sort of the minnows of the tournament and and not expecting much from them in this group and potentially kind of being beat up on a little bit. But is that not the case? I mean, do they have something to offer? I mean, of course, they made it. They made it to the tournament, which yeah. proves they have something to offer. Yeah, I mean, um, last but, time we had a minnow like Iceland, we, sh- we saw how that went, right? So sometimes absolutely. it can really surprise, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. But I, I mean, for sure, they're going to be the sort of the minnows alongside Finland, Um but they have some some decent players. They're more of the classic, um, you know, unit uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to having some some outstanding individuals. I mean, they have Goran Pandev, who Italian football watchers will know, who spent time with Inter, um, and he was part of the treble winning side, I believe, with with Jose Mourinho. Um, but he's thirty seven now, so maybe not at the not at the peak of his powers. Um, they have Elif Elmas, who's with Napoli, a really sort of silky um, midfielder, number eight. Um, you know, who's going to do a hopefully a good job there. So, I mean, in qualifying, they finished third. So, um, they didn't have the most difficult group with kind of Poland, Slovenia, Israel, Latvia, and Austria. But they, you know, they got fourteen points, so it's not terrible. Um, but for me, I think this might be a stretch to expect them to to progress from the group. Okay, fair enough. Well, you have the group standings. I mean, I, I think I sort of gave it away, but you, you want to tell me the, the final standings anyway for people who tend not to listen when I'm talking? Yeah, it's uh, well, I've gone for Netherlands first, Ukraine second, Austria third, and North Macedonia fourth. But I could easily be wrong about Austria. Like you said, they have Marcel Sabitzer, David Alaba, Konrad Leimer. Um, and actually, there's a there's a guy I want to highlight quickly called Sasha Kalajic, who mm. plays for Stuttgart. I mean, this man should absolutely be nowhere near a football pitch, but he's scoring uh, 16 goals as a six foot seven striker. So um, there you go. He's the, uh, the Peter um, Crouch of Austria. The classic, uh, yes, the classic cliche. He's got a good touch for a big man. So mm. um, watch out for him. He's, he's difficult to miss, but yeah, look out for him. He's, Interesting. He's all right, well, uh, that'll be one to watch, certainly. Uh, we are halfway through the groups, um, and, and one of the things I think we always look out for during the tournament is the big club that craps the bed. 
and the chaos that ensues, the implosion that you hear about, the players that hate each other, the infighting at the hotels, and of course, the manager who will be sacked. And that means this summer, some uh, mighty European nation will be looking for a new manager, a new coach, and uh, they will be hiring. And if you're hiring, there's no better place to post that coaching job than on Indeed. So we'll take a break, tell you about that, and come back after this. Okay, it's time to tell you about Indeed. If you need to hire right now, it's a perfect time. There's so much talent out there. Maybe you want to hire for a podcast host. Maybe you're a podcast that people love, but they don't like the host so much. Well, Indeed can help you find that, but please not that. Use it for something else. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview. All on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately, and Indeed skill tests that on average reduces hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests Then add your must-have requirements so you only pay for the applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Go there now. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Okay, we're back. Uh, hopefully, all the uh, nations participating listened carefully during that period so that they will know uh, exactly what service to use when they are hiring for a new manager. They can definitely get in touch with Indeed uh, as referenced. But we'll get back into it and we will uh, pick up with the group that follows Group C, and it is, well, you need no introduction to Group D, my friends, because it contains, uh, it says here, Eng- England. Eng- England? Eng- England. I don't know. Point is, I don't know, Phil, I guess it's coming home. Give me the big storyline, and uh, please phrase it exclusively in discussions about England. Well, I mean, the big story is that England and Scotland are playing each other again. Um, this is a you know, no England or Scotland fans will need you to explain that this is a big rivalry. Um, and it's, you know, the first time they'll play each other in a major tournament since Euro 96, which is a long time. <laughs> uh, I was only one years old at the time, so I don't actually remember. Yeah, I would <laughs> refrain from making that point around me. Thanks okay. very much, uh, because I was not only one years old in, in, in that yes. period of time. I may indeed have been a grown-ass man at that period of time, so yes. thanks. Actually, I, I was not. At the, I mean, that's overstating it. I'm not as old as, as you might think, and I, I, yeah. You know what? Let's move on as swiftly as possible. Yeah, no mention of age uh, anymore. You. But And obviously, there was the famous Gascoigne uh celebration and not only celebration but hairstyle which phil foden has decided to pay tribute to so you know there's there's some history there and also with croatia because they beat england in the world cup semi-final in 2018 so lots of narrative lots of hashtag narrative in this group this group feels like it's got some some landmines that england can step on i mean i i I think england should go through and should go through top i don't think it's a given but 
I, I hate to admit it to some extent because not many of them are Arsenal players, but there is just an absolute glut of talent for England. The issue is a lot of it, very young players. I mean, obviously Harry Kane up front, um, very experienced, but Bellingham, Saka, Foden, Mount, Sancho, like these are very talented, very young players. Is the biggest challenge for Southgate to get his most talented players on the pitch while trying to balance some degree of experience with the youth, the the really sensational youth that he has. I mean, Grealish obviously is a star, but not particularly experienced at the international level. How does he, do you think he has to get that balance right or don't overthink it, put all the talented young guys out there? I mean, I would prefer the second option because I feel like this attack would win games any anyway. Um, but for me, the, the issue with Southgate is that he's never really released the shackles. Um, I always feel like they leave something on the pitch every time they play. Um, but maybe the, he the might... The warm-up games weren't exactly uh, eye-catching. No, let's, let's just put it that way. Yeah, and I feel like he's kind of con- uh, slightly conservative as a coach. Um, and that's not a bad thing. Um, we just want to see attacking football because, like you said, some of the talent is, is outrageous, really. Um, I mean, but England what you fans said, haven't really gotten to fully enjoy the Jaden Sancho experience, have they? No, and it's it's strange because he's kind of out of sight, out of mind in Germany, but he's constantly producing for Borussia Dortmund. Um, and Would I don't you say that next to Kane, he's hands down? I mean, for, for me, he's hands down the best player. I, I I don't think anyone's close. I mean, I, I I'd say he's definitely in the top three. Um, Obviously, you have Mason Mount, who had a an unbelievable season. Yeah. Um, so Pretty he's going to be up there with with a with a shout. But for me, the interesting story here is Raheem Sterling, who's absolutely tanked this year. Yeah, um, and he's lost his place not only for his club but for his country as well. So there's definitely space for the likes of Phil Foden and Bakayo Saka to to come in on that left hand side and really sort of stake a claim. But Yes, there are a lot of young players, but like you said, Harry Kane, experienced. Um, Harry Maguire, if he's fit, experienced. Jordan Henderson, again, if he's fit, experienced. So that's a very experienced, potentially an experienced spine that they can sort of build around. Um, and that will be the, the sort of the plus points for Southgate in England. Who would you pick at right back, which is obviously a big storyline? Well, I mean, he's, he's going to play wing backs i guess um and i would i'm ooh, i would go trippier trippier just trippier i think he suits the position well and he had a really impressive season for atletico madrid as they won the league i mean my first choice would have always been trent alexander arnold um but obviously he's injured now so um he's not going to be there but i think a lot of people don't rate kieran trippier because they don't watch him every week um, but I like him a lot, and I think he will be a good option for the right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the interesting thing is there's some Arsenal vibes here, just in the sense that you have the aging center forward who has been an elite goal scorer, and then all of these young Tyros buzzing around him, and you have to figure out who to pick. I mean, Sterling doesn't really count as young anymore, but between Sterling and Sancho and Saka and Foden and Mount, um, you know, Bellingham, there, there's just so much young attacking talent that can play out wide or tuck inside a little bit. And I, I think you, you'd forgive Southgate for not knowing which ones to pick. I, I don't see how he can leave Foden, Mountain Sancho out of the team. I mean, is, is that for you? Are those the names that have to at least 
get their chance along with Jack Grealish and, and Harry Kane to start? I mean, there's going to be people left out regardless because we, we haven't even mentioned Marcus Rashford yet. Oh, gosh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think he's pretty clearly... Wouldn't he be on, on the outside looking in at this point? I'm not sure. I think Southgate's always liked to use Rashford, mm-hmm. um, particularly from the left, because he can kind of um, do the Hyun Min Son role of, of attacking the space that Harry Kane vacates. Interesting. So... You know, it's he's he's a nice stylistic fit. Um, I mean, I don't think Saka's going to be a starter. Um, I think, for me personally, I would drop Mount into the midfield, mm-hmm. um, like deeper, and play Grealish uh, for sure. Um, and then it's just kind of leaving it for the other guys to battle it out, I guess. But it's not a bad problem to have. I mean, let's be honest, you, you'd want these guys there, they're not so... Um, and it's a long tournament, like you said, heavy legs. You never know when you're going to be needed. So, um, But for sure, this is one of the most exciting England teams for a long time. It, it is really crazy. I mean, there's a lot of players that, that I'd be excited to watch. Um, I, I think I could see this being a tournament where, I mean, assuming he stays fit and he starts, that that England fans really get to wake up to how good Jaden Sancho is. I, I think he is potentially one of the best players in the world breaking through. I mean, am I overstating it? Have I gotten over my ski tips here on, on Jaden Sancho? I agree. I mean, I'm quite lucky to be able to watch him. Maybe not if every week, most weeks, um, because obviously I've got, I'm closer to the Bundesliga here in Berlin and he's, he's brilliant. He's a, he's a wonderful player. um, And I think he's unfortunately going to move for a lot of money to a team that we don't like this summer. So (laughs) I'm sort of worried about that too. Finally. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 yeah. Well, the less said about that, the better, but so, okay. I mean, I think it is all set up for England to be a fun team to watch a young attacking team, a team with a lot of talent. Of course it didn't show up in the, in the warmup games. We'll have to hope that Southgate figures out how to tease that out of them. Because if you can't get those players playing some, some silky and fun attacking football, something is definitely wrong. But I mean, if there's a team that's going to challenge them for top spot, who would it be? Yeah, for me, it's Croatia. Um, and I think it's going to be very close between the two. Um, you know, it's obviously there were World Cup finalists um, losing out to France eventually. Um, quite, you know, it wasn't even close, really, the final. Um, but yeah, this Croatia, for in terms of their population, to have this kind of a squad is, is ridiculous, um, particularly in midfield. To have Mateo Kovacic, Luka Modric and Marcelo Brozovic as your midfield three is just like what? Yeah. Um, I mean, I know Luka Modric is getting on a bit now, but he's still different class. Um, and obviously they have guys who are who have been around, who know the deal in Ivan Perisic, um, Andre Kramaric, and then they can sort of supplement that with some young talent. Um, but I mean, they were good in qualifiers, you know, finished top of their group, only losing once. So for sure, for me, Croatia are the guys to challenge England. Um, and then there's a, a, a slight gap between the other two, unfortunately. Again, for Scottish fans, I'm not like <laughs> dunking on all the other home nations. I just don't see them as, as, as strong as England. Well, but, let's just say this. I feel that the most important thing in watching Scotland will be all of us uh, rubbing whatever lucky charms we particularly care to rub on to make sure that Kieran Tierney gets through the tournament uninjured. Safe to say? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um yep. And it's quite strange that all of 
Scotland's good players seem to be left backs. But Robertson, Tierney, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, okay, yeah. so then that that just leaves um, the Czech Republic. Don't need to go big on them, but is there someone that you think is interesting to watch there? Yeah, I mean they have a couple of guys, Alex Kral, who's kind of like a defensive midfield centre back hybrid, who's a bit of a bruiser with with this curly David Luiz esque hair, um, and I think West Ham were interested in him. Um, for some reason, because they've managed to acquire half of Czech Republic in their in their team with Suchek and Sufal, so um, he's one to watch. But for me, their star is Adam Klocek, who's kind of reminiscent of a young Zlatan Ibrahimovic. You know, big, broad, but very quick, technically strong, and he has this amazing uh, Jamie Vardy quality of just smashing the ball so hard whenever he finds a, a yard. Um, and he scored 17 goals for, for Sparta Prague last season, even with a five-month absence with a broken metatarsal. So hmm. it's pretty impressive. All right. Our first Is It Coming Home challenge. Give me the final standings of this group. Okay. I've got England first. Croatia home. second. It's coming home. Scotland third and Czech Republic fourth. England, Croatia, right. Scotland, Czech. Okay. Well, yeah. that sets us up for Group E then. Um, and in Group E, you have Poland, Slovakia, Spain, and Sweden. Um, we will not get to see uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic out injured, but we will get to see Robert Lewandowski. Um, so, why don't well, why don't you give me the big storyline on this first? <clears throat> but Robert Lewandowski, obviously the the big name in this group, although Poland may not be the team to watch. So, what what's the big storyline for for Group E? I mean, unfortunately, it's uh, not, not to remind everybody of what's been happening, but the big storyline for me is is COVID-19. Well, uh, this is Euro 2020, so I guess that's fitting. <laughs> yes. Um, Spain and Sweden have been hit with some positive cases. I mean, Spain have already uh, confirmed cases from Sergio Busquets and Diego Llorente. Um, and actually, news has been emerging in the last 24 hours uh, about Sweden and um, Dejan Kulusevski has been a very naughty boy um, and he's been partying and what happened got positive from COVID and now six of their players are apparently positive as well so it's not a good situation for them and Kulusevski is going to be on the naughty step for mm. sure yeah that's uh, that's no bueno yeah <laughs> no not good not good um Okay. But yeah, that's, that's the story for me. So, Robert Lewandowski, still good at football? Still very good at football. Yeah. Um, just just the 40 the just the 41 strike. goals. 41 <laughs> goals, broken a 50-year-long standing record previously set by Gerd Müller. Um, and it was quite funny actually because in the final game of the season they were basically, you know, on FIFA when you have a, like a favorite player and you just pass the ball to him all the time. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like that. And, you know, Muller scored, uh, Serge Gnabry scored, Kingsley Coman scored. And it was just like, oh, my God, he's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. And then finally, in injury time, he scored and broke the record. So, um, yeah, just a brilliant striker. And he's pretty much the the talisman for Poland. Can I ask you a, a silly question that most people will laugh at? But like for people who don't watch out of the Bundesliga, when someone posts big numbers at a super club, there's sometimes a tendency to write it off as 
any good striker could post those numbers on that club in that league. Obviously, Mm -hmm. that's not the case. But how good is Robert Lewandowski? Because you don't hear him, or at least I don't feel like you hear him discussed with Mbappe and Holland and and Messi and Neymar and Ronaldo and like and he should be but how I mean how good is he really is he one of the if not the best player in the world and deserves the recognition as such well I mean if the Ballon d'Or wasn't cancelled last year I think he was he basically had two hands on the on the trophy um he's had an unbelievable year you know 41 goals in 29 games can you just like compute that for a second. I mean, Messi can, but the rest of us can't. <laughs> yeah, and seven assists as well. And it's not like he's just doing it in the Bundesliga because he scored five goals in six games in the Champions League as well. So, not bad, yeah. Um, he's just the perfect striker, strong, uh, technically, you know, so complete, can score on left left foot, right foot with his head. Just so good, really. I mean, if it's what you said. People can kind of write his his statistics off because they, they see the Bundesliga and he's playing for Bayern, but, but really this guy is like a different level. Um, and he's, he's 32, which is not, it's not old. Um, but he's, he can still dominate, you know, any, any defender in the world. And I, I expect him to, to score a fair few goals in this tournament. Setting that aside, does Poland have enough of a supporting cast for them to be relevant in this group? I mean, it's, it's always difficult because they have like a few, um, sort of cult guys that you love. Um, I mean, a, a lot of people remember Jakub Blaszczykowski, um, who used to play for Dortmund, and he's like an amazing player uh, alongside Lukas Piszczek on the right. But unfortunately, Blaszczykowski's uh, not been called up uh, this time. Um, I mean, obviously, they have Wojciech Szczesny, who, who we know, uh, obviously, um, who's the top keeper, but they also have Lukas Fabianski, who's there. Um, they have uh, Piotr Zielinski, who's at Napoli, um, Mateusz Klick from, from Leeds, Jakob Moda from Brighton. I mean, the squad's not amazing. They have, obviously, Lewandowski there, but, uh, you know, Milik was there from Marseille and, and Piontek from Hertha. But, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I mean, they had a, a strong qualifying round. Um, they finished top in their group with, with eight wins from 10. So, I mean, they're no mugs, but I just don't think they have enough to, to do serious, uh, you know, to cause serious damage. I feel like the one thing you can say about international football though, is it can sometimes be a little cagey and a little low scoring. And if that's the case and you have a guy who can always find a way to score a goal, you have a chance to be in every game you play. And that's Mm -hmm. certainly something that Poland will be able to say. Who are some of the other players to watch, though? I mean, let's talk Spain for a bit. You know, as someone who really still thinks of Spain as the Xavi Iniesta era, right, where they were really unrivaled. I mean, prior to that, they were one of the nations that routinely disappointed at international level. And I feel like they've kind of gone back to being a little less reliable. So where are they now in, in that trajectory? No, I mean, Spain will always be a, a good side. You know, it's, like you said, maybe it's not the Fernando Torres, Cesc Fabregas, David Silva, Iniesta, Xavi side that pretty much dominated international football for about eight years. Um, but, you know, they still have a lot of uh, exciting talent. I mean, it's difficult now because a lot of their, they've drafted in a lot of new players because of because of COVID, because they're still waiting on some 
some PCR tests and things like that. But I mean, in defense, for example, they've, they've had Imeric Laporte declare for, for them uh, because France, for some reason, didn't want to use him, which is you know ridiculous uh, for me. But there you go, it's their decision. Um, so that's a nice boost for them. And obviously they've still got guys like Thiago, um, Marcos Llorente, who had an unbelievable season for Atletico Madrid. They've got Ferran Torres um, from Man City, Alvaro Morata, Dani Olmo from Leipzig. Um, like you said, it's not star-studded, but they'll still be one of the best teams in, in the competition. And they were unbeaten um, throughout qualifying. But I mean, the storyline is no Sergio Ramos, you know, who couldn't recover from injury in time, but this is still a very impressive squad. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, obviously you, you never want to write off a team like Spain that has as much talent to choose from. One yeah. thing that I think we can make a mistake sometime about is you, you generalize about certain nations having a certain history in tournaments, but with every set of players that can change. I mean, Spain proved that, as you said, they dominated European football, world football for eight mm-hmm. years. So, you know, it can always come together. Uh, any other players to watch before we give your final rankings for this? This We haven't really touched on Sweden or Slovakia, particularly with no Ibrahimovic. Mm-hmm. Do you want to touch on Alex Isaac? Because he is, Alexander Isaac is being linked with Arsenal of all things for yeah, yeah, a- absolutely that. staggering amounts of money. So why don't you tell us a bit about him? That might be helpful. No, I mean, he's, I think I expect him to be the the focal point for Sweden now with, with Ibrahimovic injured. Um, you know, a really good striker, good young striker. I mean, he scored 17 goals for, for Real Sociedad last season. Um, he looks kind of gangly and, you know, his legs are really long. He's quite thin uh, in terms of body type, but he's he's grown into himself now. I mean, a couple of years ago, he looked kind of like Bambi on ice um, with these super long skinny legs and he didn't really feel he knew how to control his body, but he can do it now. And he scored, you know, with his a variety of goals with his head, with his left foot, with his right foot. Um, so I think for sure he's one to keep an eye on. And I like him a lot, actually. And I think, I don't know how true the rumors are, but if Arsenal are looking at him, then they're looking in the right place. Um, and there's another player called Jordan Larson, who's the, the son of uh, Henrik, um, obviously Celtic legend, uh, played for Barcelona and Manchester United as well, who's kind of similar to Dejan Kulusevski in, in, the, in the sense that he's a left-footed winger from the right, cutting inside, nice eye for goal. So, um, you know, there's a couple of players for Sweden who could do damage. Uh, I mean, Christopher Olsen's there. Uh, any Arsenal fans who remember Christopher Olsen, um, I think he left us um, six years ago, seven years ago now, but he was quite prominent in the in the youth league team with with Hector Bayerin and, and Serge Gnabry. So he'll be there. And in terms of Slovakia, I mean, my standout player for them is Milan Skriniar, who, again, had an unbelievable season with Inter. Um, the, arguably the perfect right centre-back for Antonio Conte strong doesn't let anything past him um and i think uh, he'll be their sort of their leader from the back mm. i i'm torn on this group because like i i feel like it could throw up some surprises just because i i don't i mean i guess maybe spain is more dominant than giving them credit for I know you don't have Poland qualifying from the group it's hard for me to think that Lewandowski won't have a say in that but do you want to give your your final standings yeah, I don't know. I've just got a funny feeling about Sweden. Um, mm. 
I've, I've gone for Spain first, Sweden second, Poland third, and Slovakia fourth. But I mean, I could comfortably be wrong about that. Um, I mean, Poland, as I said before, they finished really strong in qualifying. They finished top, only lost once. But Sweden only lost once as well, and they finished second in their group with Spain. So I'm backing them to to do it again. All right. Well, that means we finished with Group F, which could stand for Group. Fuck. Why are we in this group? Because <laughs> it's <laughs> it's hard. Um, it 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 is the group of death. I mean, I have no idea how you wind up with groups like this, or if it is even good for a tournament. You have the Euro winners from five years ago in Portugal and two of the biggest footballing nations on the planet in France and Germany, plus Hungary, um, which I will learn about as you talk about them. Mm -hmm. But my goodness, I mean, this is not a group you want to be in, but I still think France are so talented that I I don't know that they can be knocked out of this group. But if you told me Germany and Portugal were the ones to escape it, I'd believe you. I mean, let me just ask you this. Does this ruin a tournament for you to some extent, Phil? Or is this the kind of thing that makes a tournament more fun in that you're going to have a group where every game is life and death and you get some Titans? I mean, if Germany-France was a final of a Euros, you'd be like, we got a great final. You're going to see them play in the groups. Do you prefer this or does this annoy you? No, I mean, I think it's I think it's good. Um, if you're good enough, if you win your games, then you go through. It's as simple as that. So the onus is on, on the teams to win. Um, they kind of... I'm not saying they're guaranteed three points, but they will fancy three points in at least one of their games from Hungary, um, who shouldn't be underestimated, but it's just you know kind of obvious that their quality won't be able to match the other three. Um, but no, I'm, I'm really excited to watch this group and it adds some excitement and some jeopardy to, to the group stages, you know, because sometimes they can be a bit of a formality, but uh, that's definitely not going to happen here, uh, barring a, a big shock. Sorry. Well, let's start with Germany, actually, because this is... I always just assume Germany will get it together, be amazing, and be in a semifinal of a tournament, if not a final. This is going to really test that theory because they are in a sort of weird moment in their transition to a new generation. I mean, do you see Germany potentially really struggling? Who are the who are the German players we need to look out for and, and how much trouble are they in here? I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I see them struggling, Um I don't know. I, I just watch them and I feel a bit underwhelmed. Um, How about just whelmed? You just feel whelmed? Yeah, I don't know. It's just a bit They're <laughs> Um Yeah, I mean, they have a couple of interesting new additions. Like Robin Gersens will probably play left back or left wing back. And he's got a real nose for goal. Um, I mean, no surprise he, he plays for Atalanta. I mean, everybody's reaching double figures in that team. Um, and obviously they have some unbelievable players in Joshua Kimmich, Leon Goretzka, Tony Kroos. I mean, in, in midfield, you can't knock their quality. Um, and even up front, they have Serge Gnabry, Leroy Sané, Timo Werner, Kai Havertz, Thomas Muller. I mean, you're probably thinking like, why are you not convinced by this? But yeah, I don't actually, know. now I that you say them. it, I've got them winning yeah. the tournament. <laughs> I don't know. I just, when I watch them, I don't, I don't feel a kind of spark from them. Um, and look, as we mentioned, the, the talent, the names there, you can't deny. I mean, even Ilkay Gundogan has had his one of his best seasons in recent memory. So, you know, it's difficult, but I don't know. I just, for me personally, I see them lacking something. But obviously now that means they're going to win the group. So, 
It um, is interesting how over my lifetime, Germany went from the boring 1-0 team that you know was just like clockwork. They'd find a way to get a goal and you yeah. couldn't get at them to being a team with lots of fun, uh, precocious attacking talent that can be a dumpster fire at the back. Do you see that still being more or less where they're going to be? I mean, they're still pretty solid, um, but with some really fun players up front as well. Like you said, I mean, in qualifying, they they, they only conceded seven goals and they scored 30. <laughs> so um, it's not bad going. Okay, uh, so, so, so now you're starting to make me think that the way you have these final standings play out, which we'll announce in a moment, is nonsense. So... Given that you've just got me now really excited to watch Germany after not really remembering that they have all those exciting players. It's been a yeah. long season. Um, and who knows, you know, Timo Werner, obviously, he could turn up and look like the Timo Werner he was in the Bundesliga. And mm-hmm. yeah, they'd be absolutely devastating to watch. So how on earth are Portugal going to get past them? Because you seem to like Portugal. And to be fair, they do have a player I've heard of. It says here, Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, he's he's been around for a while. Um <laughs> You know, maybe not everyone will, will have heard of him, but can he do I it mean, again? That's what he does. <laughs> <laughs> he's the robot before Haaland. You know? <laughs> um, it's, it's just you know you look at their squad and you just think, what the hell is is going on here? There's so much talent and experience in every position. Um, Who are some of the supporting players besides Ronaldo that you're really excited about for them? I mean, they usually use a back four, and let me just. Spell this back four out. Joao Cancelo, right back. Um, Pepe, uh, who's somehow still playing incredibly well at 37 or 38. Jose Fonts there as well. Ruben Diaz, who who will ideally take a prominent role in this team now. And then Rafael Guerrero. I mean, that is in, an insanely good back four slash back five that you've got to choose from there. And then they've got a, a really exciting young player called Nuno Mendes, um, as a as a sort of option at left back as well, who's this like flying fullback who's all action, crossing, tackling, really good. And I'm sure you know someone's going to buy him for 40 million this summer. Cough, Man City, cough. Mm. Um, and in midfield, they have like Bruno Fernandez, who you know even if he's having the stinker of all stinkers, will score a goal or assist. Um, Ruben Neves, you know, Renato Sanchez. Future Arsenal player Ruben Neves and uh, and the one that we should be very excited about. What would be hilarious, actually, because I know a lot of people are mad on Ruben Neves, is if he's like player of the Euros and then we can't get him and then everyone complains (laughs) that we couldn't get Ruben Neves done before the Euros. Yeah, go ahead. Get it done, Arsenal. Get it done. Pull your finger And, you know, even up front, they had Andre Silva, who was one of the top scorers in the Bundesliga, you know, Diogo Jota, Ja Felix, Pedro Gonzalez, who was basically the Bruno Fernandes replacement at Sporting, who scored 22 goals. From and, like, mid- and like 15 assists or something too, or something like that. Absolutely mad. And you just look at these guys and you think, all of these guys around Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, is there a potential problem? Because when I've watched Portugal play, the one thing I feel like is everybody looks to get it to Ronaldo. Like, don't be mad at me, I'll pass you the ball. Is, is there some need for this team to, to evolve to the point where Ronaldo is just a piece of it and not the piece of it? Or is, or is it yeah, never going to be like that? I agree. I think there's been that case in the past, but I don't know. I kind of feel like they've moved away from that now a bit and he's actually got a lot better with it as well. Interesting. Okay. Um, I think he's, he's matured in his, in his later years. Um, and I, I know we said Germany only conceded seven goals, but Portugal conceded six. Mm. Um, and you know, they, 
Seems good. I don't know. I just, I, I really think they, they are one of the favourites um, okay. alongside France, who, who I'm sure we'll speak about. But I just think they're such a well balanced, rounded squad, and they've kind of been here before and done it. So. I fancy them. I, fancy I love them. all these teams now. I don't want any of them to get knocked out. So obviously the team that's going out is France because they don't have any talent. Oh, no, wait. It says here they have lots and lots of talent. So <laughs> you've just talked me into the idea that actually France could be in big, big trouble. But then you look at France's team. And I think if you took the players that weren't even going with France, they'd have a shot to get out of the group or weren't going to yeah. start for France. The hardest thing here is just Deschamps getting out of his way, right? Because he likes to get in his way and doesn't love to always pick the best players. Yeah. But... It is it is a good team that has arguably the best player in the world. So outside of killing Mbappe and the exceedingly tedious Giroud Benzema debate, I mean, are are France still the ones to watch? The ones that will be tough to beat in this group, despite the stacked uh, Portugal and Germany sides. Yeah, for me, these uh, these guys are the are the favourites. Um, just really what an incredible team. And actually, you mentioned Benzema before, but he was injured last night. Oh, yeah, that's of, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, badly was, or not? I mean, he was—he seemed like he was laughing from the... He had a neat yeah, little knee thing. Yeah, he was crying when he first came oh. off. He was um, laughing when Giroud scored a brace, though. <laughs> yeah, but he kind of gave a little thumbs up to the camera after the game. So I think I think he'll be all right. Um, Can I stop you for a second? Because I just got to... Look, you are on a podcast where the host of the podcast is known for really one outrageous opinion, which relates to Olivier Giroud, as you know. But like, I I get it. Giroud has been a big figure for France. Kareem Benzema is a better player than Giroud, right? Like this, I get it. Giroud has has won the World Cup with France without scoring a goal, I should point out. But like, is it a case that Giroud just makes France work and and I and other people need to come to terms with that? Or is it overthinking it? Benzema is the better player. If he's fit, he needs to start. I mean, the reason Benzema was was kept out in, in the cold was was due to his relationship with Didier Deschamps. Um, I mean, it was it was never about quality, um, but they've obviously put whatever they they had um, behind them. You know, uh, it's been six years since he last played, so it's been a long time. Uh, so maybe time has healed those particular wounds. I think what Deschamps likes about Giroud is that he's the foil. You know. Um, you said he he didn't score a goal in the World Cup, but he's kind of the link man, the focal point for Kylian Mbappe and Antoine Griezmann, Ousmane Dembélé, you know, these guys to really do their damage. Um, but people forget that Benzema can do this role just the same, if not better, you know. Um, he's just so good, really. And if you watched him at all this year, he was just unbelievable for Real Madrid, like his control, his touch, his ability to know where to go, when to go. You know, he's just a, an unbelievable footballer. Um, and then obviously when you supplement those kind of guys with N'Golo Conte, Paul Pogba, I mean, somehow Musa Sissoko has made it into this team. But, you know, Deschamps kind of likes one guy who's just there to work. Um, it's been Blaise Matuidi in the past and now he's going to use Musa Sissoko as this kind of guy. And even in defence, they've got Varane, um, you know, uh, Lucas Hernandez, Presno Kimbembe, and they've they've actually called up Jules Kunde, who's who was really good for Sevilla last year. You know, quite unique in that he's a smaller centre back, but his aerial jewels are like off the charts for someone so small. And he goes on these, these crazy runs from the back, where you're thinking like, "What are you doing? What are you doing? Get back!" And then you're like, "Oh my God, he's in the penalty box." Um, he scored. He scored one goal like that against Barcelona, um, and there's just talent oh, 
coming out of their ears, basically. So, yeah, like you said, it will be either Deschamps getting something seriously wrong for this team not to at least get into the semifinal, at least. Yeah, I mean, I I really struggle. I mean, the the three teams, Portugal, Germany, and France, are so loaded. I still think... Um, like, I still think France is the favorite, but you've really put some doubt in me. I mean, do you you have it as France topping the group in Portugal second? Is that right? What's your, what's your order here? Yeah, I've gone France, Portugal, um, Germany, Hungary. Um, poor Hungary, who have lost Dominic Soboslai um, through injury. Um, and I just look at their squad now, and I'm, you know, I've kind of got the little violin out because I think they're going to be um, having a tough time of it in this group. Um, but you know, I mean, there is the option of, of third place qualifying for the knockout stage. So maybe if they're the, cause there's four third place teams that, that are going to progress. So there is still the chance for Germany to, to get through, even if they finish third or whoever finishes third, for example. So, you know, um, but that's just my, my opinion, my standing on how the group's going to go. So mm. I think, is it fair to say um, like any of the, like whichever of those three teams doesn't get out of this group, had they gotten out of the group, could go on to win the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think all three of those teams could easily win the tournament. Yeah. And that's what yeah. makes it so fun. Yeah. That's, um, gosh, that it's, it's tough, right? Cause on the one hand, I agree with you. I think it's going to make for absolute must see appointment viewing when that group is playing and it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, it is sad to think that, you know, those teams won't get to play a big, well, one of those teams won't get to play a big knockout tie. And it also means that someone is going to get the misfortune of drawing a potential winner, you know, yeah. will top their group and get the, the number two team in that group, which, you know, really unfortunate. Feels mm-hmm. kind of like an Arsenal getting to the knockout round of the Champions League, topping their group and getting like a Bayern finishing second in theirs or something. <laughs> but, exactly. So be it. Okay, well, let's do this. Let's leave it there with one final thing. And remember, well, before I get to that, uh, who do you have winning it all? I've gone for France. 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 You heard yes. it here first. Some country called France is going, yes, to, win France going to win Euro 2020 <laughs> in 2021. It is the strangest timeline, my friends, but that is where we are. Um, who's going to be player of the tournament? Ooh, player of the tournament. I I think Mbappe is going to really turn up this summer. I've got a feeling he's just going to explode like he did in the World Cup. Any misgivings about Norway not being there, not getting to see Holland on this stage? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a shame, um, especially when you look at some of the other teams who maybe did make it, but... At the end of the day, it's their fault that they're not there. So yeah, cheer you know, up, Phil. We'll get to see him play in the Premier League for, Ch- for for Chelsea next season. So cheer up. No, no problem there. Yeah. Yeah. Super. All right. Well, let's leave it there. So remember, starting on Friday, you're going to get a Euro 2020 daily. There'll be probably short 30-minute episodes recapping the day in a format that's sort of similar to what we do with our instant reaction on Patreon. So a, a headline, a stock rising, stock falling type thing. Just a little a little a variation from there. But really excited to do it. We'll keep you up with what's going on in the tournament. So whether you're watching every minute or just want to get like a, a little caught up, you'll have that chance to do it with us. And there will still be a sort of regular, quote-unquote, Arsenal Vision podcast along the way. So I'm really excited for that. As you've heard from this episode, Phil knows 
everything, which is the perfect compliment for my foil. I am playing the role of the guy who knows nothing. I'm just playing that role because I think it balances us out really nicely. Um, so, you know, if you're about to tweet me and say like, you don't know anything, it's just a role I'm playing. I'm just putting on that that role and just a great actor. And that that's a thing I'm doing definitely. Phil, I'm, I'm so excited for this. And I, I really look forward to doing the series with you. Yeah, no, it's um, it's going to be a really a really fun time, hopefully for for football fans. And no, no, I'm really excited to be doing the show as well. So hopefully we can can watch some good football and uh, and enjoy it. All right, that's Phil Costa. You can follow him on Twitter at underscore Phil Costa. Thank you, Phil. Cheers. Thank you. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. Gonna have to come up with my outro for the Euro Daily, but for now, since those start Friday, I can say we love you. We'll talk to you after Arsenal Ten transfer window news.